Well, good morning, church. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm excited. You know, stories matter. Your story matters. Our story matters as a church. As uh, Mike Stevens told that story about our location. Do y'all know this is the last of five locations we've been in? We've been all over the map over 135 years because this church family has never identified itself with a location. We've always identified ourselves as a people. It's not been about the place. It's a bit about the people. And as Mike told that story, it just reminded me how generous God is and how our story needs to be told. He didn't tell you about the price of this property, but right now, y'all, I want to tell you something. We couldn't afford 32 acres in Wimberley. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we, anybody else could afford 32 acres in Wimberley because the price has risen so much. But God is generous, and God is, was before us before we even knew we had a need God was making a way. Why in the world would we need 32 acres of property? Because God said we needed 32 acres of property. And a spectacular property it is, isn't it? Don't we live in the prettiest place in Texas? That's right. And of course, when I say Texas, I might as well say in all the world, right? Because Texas is all the world. But our stories matter. You know, my story matters. Your story matters. And I want to tell you some stories about Tara and I. Uh, when we were in seminary, uh, we were the richest people on our floor. And that means we were all poor. You know, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, it, just because you're in seminary, and uh, I think uh, my total earnings for that year were less than $10,000. Can you imagine? Of course, that was the early 20s. Uh, no, it wasn't that long ago. But it was just like we were poor. Everybody on our floor was poor. We lived in seminary housing where you didn't have to ask for prayer requests. Everybody knew your business. The walls were so thin. Our bathroom was so small, you could do everything you needed to do in that bathroom without moving. It was awesome. It was a one-stop shop, as it were. It was tiny. But I remember Tara and I, Tara worked downtown at a fancy bridal company. She was a buyer for them, and they sold wedding gowns. They sold, in New Orleans, Sweet 16s are coming out. They had a, a French name for it. I don't know what they called it, but that was a big deal. And these girls would buy these, you know, ten and twelve and fifteen thousand dollar ball gowns for these these festivals. Of course, Mardi Gras and all that. Tara bought all those gowns and sold those things. Of course, bridal stuff. And I had uh, two jobs. I was the uh, campus fire and safety inspector. <laughs> it means I didn't do anything. And then also I was uh, on staff at Elysian Fields Avenue Baptist Church, which is an inner city church in New Orleans. And uh, just, you know, we were just poor. And one, one Sunday, it was our time to give our tithe and give our money, give, give back to God. And we wrote a check for $35 knowing good and well it would bounce. But I thought, you know, if you get a bounce one, you might as well bounce it to Jesus, right? You know, Jesus saves and Jesus forgives and so we wrote that $35 check, which doesn't seem like a lot of money now, but at that time, that was a lot of money. That was our tie. That was represented 10% of our, of our, of our earnings. And uh, we gave it, and I told Tara, I said, we, you know, we, we just have to trust God. The next month, it was on Sunday. On Monday, we went to our mailbox, and there was a check for $300 in our mailbox from a sweet old lady in Tara's home church. And she said she had been praying for us, mostly Tara, and figured we might need some cash. Well, yeah. And I'm reminded of that. That story reminds me, y'all, I want to tell you something. That's only one event of hundreds of events 
that Tara and I see God in his faithfulness. We pray, give us this day our daily bread, don't we? When do you think that bread was cooked? In the kitchen of Jesus the night before you knew you had a need. Jesus is always in front of you. Now, during that same period of time, we had some friends, a guy that I grew up with, he took over his dad's business, and he had a big old pile of money. And they just built a ginormous, like six or 7,000 square foot house right on the water in, in, uh, in Northwest Florida, right on the bay. A glass overlooked the bay, it was just stunning. They had just built this house. And they came to New Orleans to visit their poor seminary friends. So we were gonna go out to dinner with them and we are gonna take them to Maspero's. It's a place in the French Quarter in New Orleans. Big, thick sandwiches, good place to eat. You know, um, <clears throat> so I took them there because it was cheap and I thought I might have to buy. You know what I'm saying? So we were walking, we parked our car, we were walking through the French Quarter and a homeless guy came up to us. Now, being approached by a homeless guy in New Orleans is not a what moment. Because just there's a lot, even back in the 80s. And this guy was coming, and I have a practice. If, if I have the, the whereabouts to meet a need, I'm going to meet the need without judging what they're going to do with the money. Like I remember I stopped in Atlanta once, and there was a homeless guy, and I had two kind bars with me. That's all I had. Rolled down my window, and I gave him the two kind bars, and I apologized to him. I said, I'm sorry, this is all I got. I was glad to give them away, because Terry gave them to me. I really didn't want to eat them. Just saying. But you know, I had that price. So I'm starting to reach in my, my very thin wallet to give him something. And my buddy says, get away from here, bum. You get your life together. You get a job. Quit being a beggar and a drunk. Go, get out of here. I was shocked. What? This guy had so much, but he lacked the most important thing. And that was a generous heart. See, out of his abundance, he forgot what it's like to really be dependent upon God and let God grow his heart. Now, I could tell you the rest of his story, but that really doesn't matter. What does matter is I don't want to be like that. And I don't think you want to be like that either. In fact, if he were here today and I called him out on it, I know for a fact that he would repent because he, became, like he came to a place in time where he lost everything. It's amazing how that works. Now, but God wants us to grow a big Heart. There's nothing that grows your heart and your life faster than generosity or better than generosity. So this morning in our series, This Is Us, I'm going to talk about this is why we're generous. This is why we give. This is what we do. Listen to this out of James chapter 1, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. And what James, this is the half-brother Jesus, is saying, that God created everything. He created all the lights in heaven. He created it all. He never changes or he casts shifting shadows. Okay, okay, what is he saying here? That everything you got, everything that's good comes from God. Everything that's good comes from God. And then he says, and by the way, God is not shifty. He doesn't change. Y'all ever dealt with shifty people? They say one thing, then they do another. Have y'all ever done that? Maybe you've done that. You've promised this and then you did this. And what God was saying, James was saying here, God's not shifty and you don't need to be either. And grow this generous heart. Now God is generous and he wants you to be the same. Did you know that 15%, I did this math this week, 
15% of Jesus' teaching was on generosity and giving. He talked more about generosity and giving than he did about heaven or hell because he knows that our hearts, that we need to have a generous life. But how do I get there? How do I have a generous life? Uh, how can I break the, the grip of being self-focused and selfish and start being other-focused and getting my heart instead of turned inward, turned outward? It's still like the Grinch, you know, who had a very small heart to grow a big heart. Now, a big heart medically is dangerous, but a big heart spiritually is life-giving. How can this happen with me? Well, I really don't like talking about this, the subject of generosity or giving, but I love you too much not to talk to you about it. So I need to talk to you about it. And I'll talk about it often, but when I do talk about it, I want you to, to really catch this. I want you to say this. Some of you are first time here and you're going, great. That preacher figures he's after my money. That's what I, they all do. They all after their, your money. Well, you know what I want to say? Keep your money. I'm not after your money. I am after your heart. Because I know this. When God gets your heart, he gets your pennies, your nickels, your dimes, your quarters, and your dollars as well. Sam Houston, the great Texan, he came to Christ later in life. He was a drunk and a reprobate, and he came to Jesus, and he was baptized in the Brassus River. History records when Sam Houston was baptized, he put out his wallet. He said, preacher, you're going to baptize me with my wallet, because when Jesus gets me, he gets all of me. Now, I'm, I'm telling the truth now. I'm not just preaching, okay? That was supposed to be funny. Y'all missed it. But the truth is, God wants us to have a generous heart. And he wants to grow us in this. And I don't like talking about it. So I'm not after your heart. I'm, I am after your heart. I'm not after your wallet. So with that said, let's look at God's word and discover how we can, why we should give and how we should give and how to grow a generous heart. Are you guys ready for this? All right, that's good. That's a lot of you. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. And I pray that you speak through me. That not be my words, my thoughts, even the pattern of my thinking. Father, your truth that will lead us to understand what you desire of us. And I pray, Father, that you have your way here today. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take out your study notes that are in your bulletin. You can take that out. You notice we made an insert and made it bigger so you could take better notes. I've heard some of your cries. Pastor, we don't have enough room to take our notes. Well, we got you enough room, okay? So we'll, we'll give you that, that room to take notes so you can jot things down. And also remember our online resources. This week in the group material, I'll be talking about the widow's might. And some of y'all heard about how the widow, widow gave of her scarcity. She gave abundantly. And if you ever go to Israel with me, you can buy the widow's might over and over and over again. Because it probably ain't real. It's tourist stuff. Okay. So why give? Another funny joke that you guys missed. All right. It's going to be a long day. Why should I give? Here's some reasons. Why? Because giving grows my heart. Giving expands my heart. Like I said earlier, a big heart spiritually is good. A big heart medically is bad. God wants us to have a big heart. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And it was amazing what God was doing in Corinth. Some of the best and brightest minds in the world were coming to Corinth. And they were coming to Christ. And God was using them in great ways. Guys like Apollos and Crispus and, and uh, Aquila and Priscilla and 
Timothy and Titus, they were coming here to Paul and uh, uh, God named Justice. They were, they were there. He said, since you excel in so many ways, since you have such faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, and such enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm comes from the Latin, means in God, God in us, in theos, enthusiasm, God in us. I was watching college football last night. Anybody watch college football last night? You watch the horns, Aggies, we're sorry. It's okay. I'm a Florida State grad. You got Jimbo Fisher. You're welcome. All right. I was watching Georgia play Notre Dame last night, and it was crazy with a capital C. 93,000 enthusiastic fans. They were not filled with God. They were filled with football and probably other spirits. <laughs> Bud Light, you know, whatever. But uh, they were enthusiastic. And I, I thought about this, that God wants us to be enthusiastic for him and such enthusiasm, the church in Corinth, such love for us now. And now I want you also to excel also in the gracious ministry of giving. Paul said, you got all these things now. Now I want to give you the really good stuff. I want you to teach you to be generous. I want you to learn to give it away. That's pretty cool. You got all these things going for you, but here's something I want to give you. I want you to excel in being generous because that's really going to take it to the next level. Take it to the next level. And so here's some thoughts I want you to have with this. Giving is a gift and a commandment. The Lord says, I want to give you the power to give, but I also want you to give. Give as I've given to you, God says. That what happens when we give, it changes us. And it should be always be motivated by love, not by guilt. Have you ever given out of guilt? This doesn't feel very good, does it? You're, you're obligated, you gave out of guilt. I remember I was in college at Florida State and I took this girl to the living Christmas tree in First Baptist Church, Tallahassee. Dan, we used to have a living Christmas tree here. Thank God that tree is no longer living. But we uh, had a living Christmas tree. And I took her to this and all I had on me was a $10 bill and I was gonna buy gas to go home for Christmas. And the offered plate came by and I had to feel like I had to give something because I could, took this girl out. I thought that I had to give something. So I dropped my $10 bill in the plate. I watched it <laughs> go away. And I thought, I'm not cheerful. I gave out of guilt I'd, and try to keep up appearances. But you know, when my kids come to me, say, they want something, they call me Papa. Papa, can you put some money in my account? Of course I can. Why? Because I'm your Papa and I love you. Little, little Ivy, she's already learned this. We were going to get ice cream. I said, Ivy, who's going to pay? Papa. <laughs> Papa pays. That's right. Papa will buy all the ice cream in the world for you because that's what Papa does. And you give out of love. You know when Tara asks for something? I, I give it to her because I love her. I love her. I heard someone say, you just spoil your wife. Dead gum right I do it. It's none of your business. Because I, I, I am so fortunate to be married to her, and I love her so much. She's homesick today. feel sorry for her. She's got a cold. She's a kindergarten teacher, and them little germ carriers gave her something. Can I get a witness for some of y'all that got them little, them little nasty little hands, nasty little mouth, nasty little feet, you know, sweet little things, but they're just contagious carriers. Tara wants if I give it to her because I love her. I love her. She'll say, she'll say, you know, I told you last week she calls me daddy, which I probably should never say again. You know, so she asks for stuff and she says, daddy. I go, yeah, I'm good because I love her. Do you know what? I feel the same way about the Lord. Actually more so. 
God's asked me to give, I give. So I love to. I love to give. It just grows my heart. You know, giving reveals my devotion. When I give, it shows that I, 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 it counts, it matters. Generosity is a display that I'm in, that I care. I care. It shows you what I really treasure. You know, Jesus talked about selling a field and buying it because you treasure the kingdom of God or celebrating over the kingdom of God. If somebody's lost it or found it, you celebrate. And it shows you, it grows you. It's the parable of the treasure. God gives us stuff. And it's just, it reveals my devotion. See, where my heart is, Jesus said, uh, there, your, uh, there your heart and your thoughts will be also. So where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be, says in Matthew. So when you, you give this, where your treasure it's really devotion and action. When I give, it's devotion and action. I can tell Terry, I love you, but when I give to her, it shows that I love her. And I give her my time. I give her my ears. I listen to her. I, I give her my heart. I'm devoted to her. I give her my cash. Well, she has it all anyway, but sometimes she gives some to me, and it's an act of love. But it's that, it shows that devotion. It's that because I love her. It moves beyond words. Listen to this. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever direction God might give them. That's found in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And it comes from love, the love of Jesus and the love of people. That when we're devoted to Jesus and we're devoted to people, we don't mind being generous. It's easy. We, we give. Listen to this. This is again to the church in Corinth. You'll be glorifying God through your generous gifts for your generous generosity will prove that you were obedient to the good news of Christ. So what's it saying? When, and this is something I get to do every month here. First of the month, Tara and I write a check. I know most people don't write checks anymore. We still do. We write checks. We wrote a check and we give it here. And it's, uh, we quit tithing a long time ago. We just, we give over. It's because it's fun to watch what God does. We give over and we would give it we just said, okay, God, this is yours, and we're giving it to your work and your kingdom because we're devoted to the good news. I don't give because I'm a preacher. I don't. I give because I'm a son of God, and I love it. And Tara, you know, a lot of times, Tara is more generous than me. Like, I'll have a figure in mind, and she usually kind of come up with a lot more. I'm going, what? What are you doing, woman? I'm the one making the money around here. And she said, you don't make any money. God makes any money. Do you ever worry about money? Do you? Do you ever lay awake at night and go, I don't know what I'm going to do? I had one of those moments this morning. You want me to tell you about it? This morning, I woke up and I wasn't not, not my normally spry, spring out of the bed like a young deer and run down the, the corridor I was kind of staggery and bumbly. Y'all ever like that? And I was looking at my coffee, and I'm thinking, I'm getting old, old man river. <laughs> getting old. And I thought, oh, man, pretty soon I'm not going to be able to work. I won't be able to be a preacher anymore. I won't be able to spring up those stairs like a young deer. I'll be old. And I, oh, but we're going to starve to death. We're going to starve to death. How in the world are we going to make it? How in the world, what, what are we going to do? You know, I give it to the stock market. And the stock does not much of a market as a stock taker, and it just goes. And if it's going to lose, I'm invested in it. It's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know what the Lord said? Shut up. <laughs> Have you ever seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed beg for bread? No. Do I own the cattle on 10,000 hills and the hills of which they stand? Yes. Am I going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory? Uh-huh. Then what you crying about? What you crying about? I got this. Son, I remember when you lost everything. I do too. <laughs> He's sitting there, didn't I not give it back? Uh-huh. Don't you think I can take care of you when you're old? Uh-huh. Don't you think I'll just go ahead and kill you when you get to be embarrassed? Uh-huh. Tara and I, right now, we're in the middle of something that's crazy. Why? Because we want to be generous. Generous. Out of love. Out of devotion. For the gospel. This week, we have pastors coming in from all over North America. Mitch, where's Mitch? Mitch, mucho gusto, senor. Yeah. Mitch is going to help translate. We're going to have a conference here in Spanish and in English because we have pastors arriving from Costa Rica and Cuba and from other places in North America and from all over South Texas or Central Texas that are coming in to be encouraged Thursday and Friday. If you want to show up, just show up. You don't have to pay. Just come and you can listen. And we're going to be training these pastors. And why are we doing this? Why? Why do I give? Because I want to see the gospel explode over the world. Why? Because Jesus saves people. He redeems sinners, which I am the chief. And out of gratitude, I give. I give. Wow. It comes from love. You're glorifying God through your generous gifts, for your generosity will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. It builds community. All believers. You talk about knitting us together. When we start meeting needs... We start taking care of people. It just knits your heart together. All believers were one heart and mind, and they felt what they owed was not their own. They shared everything they had. Now that's Acts 4, um, 45, not 32. You want to make that correction. 45, not 32. So they sold everything. This is outrageous behavior because in that time, people believed that if you're born poor, you were destined to stay poor. If you were born rich, you were just lucky. You were born rich. And there was caste systems. Caste systems. Now, I did something on Friday that was an outrageous act of love. Outrageous act of love. I took my wife to see Dalton Abbey. An outrageous act of love. I would rather have a nail driven through my head than go see Dalton Abbey. And as I sat there watching this, this nonsense of classes the rich and the servants and the aristocracy and the king and blah, blah, blah. And I'm over there mumbling. And Terry's going, be quiet. I said, we bled the ground red in America so we wouldn't have to put up with the stinking monarchy. No monarchies here. We only serve one king. That's King Jesus. We don't see King Charles. He ain't no better than me. He just a nasty old sinner like I am. And I ain't bending my knee to no queen. She said, shut up and eat your popcorn. Okay. But isn't that true? And this is outrageous act. In the church of Jerusalem, they were believing you were born in poverty, you stayed in poverty. You wouldn't dare help somebody out of poverty because that, that's their lot. That's, they, they did something. God cursed them and blamed them. But this church, poof. Josephus, the Roman historian, said that the early church had all but eradicated poverty in Jerusalem. 
because they broke with society and false theology. And they said, all people matter to God and we're going to meet everyone's needs. And if I have something that you need, I'm going to sell it to make sure you're taken care of. I'm going to make sure the widows are fed. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to do these things because Christ has asked me to do these things. And it just, it just breaks with cultural norms. Wow. This is, this is crazy. Notice this pattern. Notice what happened. They fell in love with Jesus, personally renewed. And then they fell in love with each other, relationally renewed. Then they looked around and said, what can we do for King Jesus? And Jesus says, hey, 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 love people. Love people. Meet needs. And they went, oh, okay. So they had a missional renewal. And then they structured themselves to meet those needs, and they changed the culture. Do y'all realize there would be no orphanages today, no hospitals today, no universities, universities today had it not been for the church of Jesus Christ? No humanitarian relief organizations, no Red Cross, no Salvation Army, nobody doing disaster relief if it wasn't for the church of Jesus Christ. Ancient Roman historians said that when a plague struck a city, the citizens fled and the Christians went in. Wow. The Christians were the one collecting the abandoned babies on hillsides and raising them because that's what we do. That's who we are. When you're personally renewed with Jesus and relationally renewed with Jesus, we become cultural change agents. How do we change the culture? You don't change the culture through politics or protest. You change the culture through radical acts of love and generosity. Oh, you see, a church will never grow beyond its capacity to meet needs. That's why in 300 years, Christianity flipped the ancient world. And we enjoy that benefit today. Giving releases God's blessings. If you really want God to bless you, be like Jesus and be a great giver. Give freely without begrudging it, and the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do, it says in Deuteronomy. Everything you do. If you do give, says the Lord Almighty, I will open up the windows of heaven, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to receive it. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Test me, God says. Be generous. See not if, if you won't be able to, 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 to absorb the blessing. And then King David said this, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have is, comes from you, and we only give you back what you've already given. You see, the biblical understanding of blessing is not about jingle in your pocket, but it's about love in your heart and peace in your life. And joy in the Lord in the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And your needs met according to his riches and glory. So it's a little jingle in your pocket, a little song in your heart. Now don't be deceived by the prosperity gospel. Because it is not a gospel, it's a deception. When a pastor says to me, I want you to sow a seed in my ministry, red flag, pops up. Starts waving. Be careful. I'm not going to sow a seed in anybody's ministry. I'm going to give King Jesus, and he's going to grow it where it's planted. I have a hard time, and I don't talk about pastors much, and, but sometimes what a pastor says to me, I just need my third private jet so I can be closer to Jesus. I'm going, fly the friendly skies, brother. 
Get all the united, and you can be close to Jesus, and you'll be praying for him because you're going to pray around those people around you. You don't need a private jet to glorify Jesus. You're right. You know that? If God gave us a private jet, what would I do? Fly in it. But he's not going to because we'll sell that sucker and do something else with it for King Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? It's not about prosperity. It's about generosity. I don't give so I can get. I don't give to my kids thinking I'm going to get something back from them. They ain't going to give me nothing back. They won't even give me a receipt. <laughs> but I give to them because I love them. We're blessed with Jesus and not stuff. And then Jesus meets our needs. How should I give? Are y'all with me? How should I give? Regularly. Regularly. Well, actually, prayerfully and cheerfully first. Prayerfully and cheerfully. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Listen to this. This is Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7. You must make up your own mind as how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So if, you, you feel, if you're going to be grumpy, keep it. Keep it. If you feel pressured, it's yours. That's between you and God. But give cheerfully. Now, this is a big deal. Legalism will kill you. Generosity will set you free. Now, I will say this to you because you need to know that. I have no idea who gives what here. None. Zero. I will never know. Do you know why? I don't want to know. Because I'll treat you different if I know. And I don't want to treat you different. I want everybody to be loved the same. Don't y'all want that? And so this is a vow I make to you because I don't want you to miss the blessing of giving. On October 27th, that's the last day of This Is Us, we're going to throw a party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate our 135th anniversary. Also, we're going to have an opportunity to make pledge gifts over and above our regular giving in order to fund this next phase of ministry, the building of the children's building, the building of the student lodge, and it's a great place for us, adding parking, which we so desperately need. We're going to be able to give over and above with that. Once we figure out how much we're going to give together, we'll decide the scope and the magnitude of what we're going to do. And we'll do that. We'll decide that together. We're not going to do that in a vacuum. We'll all decide. We'll talk about it, pray about it, and then we'll do it together. I would love to be able to do what we need to do for cash. Wouldn't you love to do that? Wouldn't you love to do that? So I believe God can do that in us. But I don't want y'all to miss this opportunity. So start praying about this. What does God want me to do? Want me to do? And together we can do a great thing. Together we can do a great thing. Give regularly. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside some amount of money in relation to what you've earned and save it for this offering. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 16.2. Give with expectation. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And that's just the law of planting and, and reaping. Now, I can count on God. I can trust in him. This passage has been twisted to make people give, but I don't want you to be twisted. Be wise. Don't be gullible, but be generous. Now, some of you are saying, and I talked about this in the first gathering. The first gathering has a tendency to be a little older. And uh, in fact, uh, Mary Katie, she turned 98 today. So y'all see her, y'all can wish her happy birthday. She sings in the choir. And this is what some of us say. Well, pastor, I live on a fixed income. Really? 
Is God, is, is the government the only one taking care of you? Your annuity? I live on a fixed income. Really? Aren't you glad the disciples didn't say, now Jesus, I know you have 5,000 people to feed, but we're living on a fixed income. Two fish, five loaves, that's it. Everybody can have a scale and a whiff, that's it. <laughs> no. I want to tell you something, y'all. You don't live on a fixed income. You live on the income of Jesus. You're fixed in the palm of his hand. You know what he says in Isaiah 45? He said, will a mother forget the child nursing at her breast? Yeah, she may forget, but I won't forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. You're always before me. Wow. I know your needs. I want to meet them. And here's the cool thing about God. He uses us to meet needs. He uses us to meet needs. That I can be used by God to meet the needs of people. I want to tell you something about a budget expenditure here. We are overspent this year in benevolence. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? We give more to benevolence because God has given so much to us. We also have partners in giving. Through our partnerships with, with other entities, we are a very generous church. And we've given to help plant churches and start churches and send missionaries and do good works all over the world because we've been generous as a church historically. This is what God does for us. This is how we should give with generosity. So why should I do this? Why should I love with this level of love? Huh. Because you've been greatly loved. Thanks God. Thank, thank God for his son, a gift too wonderful for words. It's because Jesus has done this for me. Because I've been bought with a price. I can glorify God with my body. I can glorify God with my pocketbook. I can glorify God with my talents. I can glorify God with my time. I can glorify God with my love. I can give it away. You know, there's more to my story than what I've shared. Over and over and over, God has been so faithful to Tara and I in this area of, of giving and of generosity. And I know you're thinking, my stories don't count, I'm a preacher. Well, they do count. They, they count. I went to HEB yesterday to buy some groceries. I got there in line. They didn't say, oh, Pastor Scott, everything's free for you. You're a pastor. Go get some more ice cream. They didn't say that. No, they didn't say that. What is said is that God cares for us. Paul said this. I know how to have a lot. and I know how to have a little but I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've been content because I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is what Paul says. So this is the challenge. So I want to give you a loving challenge. Be a great giver. If you aren't already, try it. If you are already, go for it. And let God do something amazing in your heart. But first thing you need to do is you need to give yourself to Jesus. That's the first thing. Before you write a check or put some cash or give to a need of somebody that you see or help a parachurch organization, 
give yourself to Jesus. Because when you give yourself to Jesus, everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. Even your wallet.